0: This is In Perspective with Bob Branco and Peter Alchul.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode number 257. And as always, it's always a pleasure for me to introduce my good friend and colleague, Peter Alchul. Hi, Peter. What's going on today in Colombia?
2: Hey, well, two things. One, we're all excited about our women's softball team who are in the uh, semi-finals of the SCC playoff tournament, which I know excites everybody uh, uh, in, in the audience. And the other thing, we're 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 in a cold spell. It's eighty-eight degrees here in Columbia. So that's we, a cold we, spell. That's a cold spell. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's been ninety-five degrees for most of the week. So it's eighty-eight here. So you know, I, I guess we should be we we should be happy. Anyway, oh, we're doing well.
1: Great, we finally broke seventy yesterday. <laughs> so spring came a little bit late this year here in the Northeast, but that's okay. There's more where that came from. I would like to thank Raymond Gay, our producer, Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place, and our media outlets for making sure that our program can be heard. I also want to thank Jacqueline Sylvia, our web designer, for putting our shows on my website. All you have to do to hear our shows is go to www.brancoevents.com, arrow down until you get to In Perspective Podcasts. Click on those, and you will hear all of our archives programs from latest to earliest.
2: Merci, Jackie, and thank you for all of you who make us sound better than we actually do.
1: Before we introduce our guests, I would like to give some shout-outs to some of our listeners. Lillian Johnson, Alice Massa, and Nell Anthony. Hi to all of you. We're very glad that you listen to our podcast. Critical race theory is a phrase that I only started to get to know, I would say, about two or three years ago. Admittedly, I really don't know the whole concept of what it means. All I do know is it has something to do with racism and and tribalism or whatever you want to call it. I also know that it's being taught in public schools. I have my issues with that. I think there are a lot of things that are being taught today that I'm wondering why they are taught, but uh, we'll leave that for our guests because we're going to touch on critical race theory and also trends in modern education. And with us to do the honors, our old friend, Reverend Michael Garrett. Reverend, welcome
3: back to In Perspective. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Peter. Uh, thank you for, thank you. I think for the opportunity <laughs> to to come in and talk about this uh, uh, critical subject. Yes,
2: Welcome, also, Michael. I should also say. Yeah.
3: So before we
1: get deep into the discussion, could you please tell us in your own words what exactly is critical race theory and why it seems to be important? For children to be educated about it in a public school setting.
3: <clears throat> well, the more I delve into this, it, it it has several components. But to try to put it succinctly, it is a a uh, uh, well, and and an, an intellectual and scholarly. View of of races of race uh, from the angle of civil rights uh, and and using scholars and and civil rights activists to examine race, society, and the law in the U.S. So it's more of a of an inter- intellectual construct, not necessarily uh, I-, I think people have a, a, a jaundiced view of what it really is. So
1: would this be incorporated into a typical social studies curriculum?
3: I think the ideas can be, but I think where people mistakenly uh, view it is from the standpoint that it it supposedly uh, pits people against each other. When it when it really is, and, and, and I'll I'll get into it in a minute if you want me to go deeper. Yes. When it really is uh, a, a, a look at. Racism has done, and what uh, what what components it plays, or what components it it has in our society. So there are some there are some effects, and there are some some problems that have been caused. There are some real uh, differences that have been caused. Uh, through throughout society and it asks questions that that uh, i don't think everybody wants to deal with what is
1: your personal opinion about the introduction of this curriculum in schools do you think that for the most part it has a positive effect on the classes or
3: or, or no i think it i think it depends on who's teaching it and how they present it because you can make it's like I'm, you know I'm a I'm a, I'm an investment analyst by trade, and one of the things I learned when doing research and looking at at companies' uh, income statements and balance sheets, you can make numbers tell all kinds of stories, and so by transferral you can you can take a subject matter and spin it any way you want to get. To get uh, the results that that the teacher wants, not necessarily the the results that, or the, the the presentation of a book or publication or however however they choose to present the lesson.
2: So, Michael, may I uh, uh, take a run at my sense of what critical face race face, critical race theory is, and and get your reaction to it?
3: Okay.
2: So my understanding of what critical race theory is is when after the civil rights uh law was passed in the in the mid 60s people began to notice that the uh the divide between blacks and whites and by the way whites and other people were still almost as wide as they were before the civil rights act was passed. So the question that some of these scholars began to ask is why is that the case? Why is it the case that the that, that the differences between blacks and whites when it comes to income and becomes to arrests and becomes to prison and becomes the, you know all these things are are, are st- still an issue you know 10, 15, 20, 30 years after uh, these laws were passed that were supposed to solve all of the problems that you know that were caused prior to the 60s before Dr. King and other people. And that's really what critical race theory um, is to try to, to try to talk about why or to, to to reflect on why these issues are still an issue when they shouldn't be anymore. Does that, does that ring true for you? That, that definition? Yes. Okay.
3: It, it does. Because, because here, here's the, here's the thing. So, so kind of, kind of dig a little deeper into the minutiae of this whole thing. Yeah, please do. <laughs> so look at, look at, look at the, the phrase itself, critical race theory and what it, what it, does not seek to do is to be uh, critical in a in a in a in a demeaning way. Look at the words itself. The word the word critical. Uh, it 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 hopes to engender critical thinking. Is what they what they would get is what you were getting at, Peter. Mm-hmm. It it wants it wants folks to think about it critically when you and around the the subject of race and theoretically because it it's basically theory because do you really can you really know the answer and you can't find anything uh, or even approach an answer unless you start to think about these things critically and and so critical thinking in itself is, analyzing the facts analyzing the the observances and, and all of the things that 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 happen that lead up to the actual situations that we have so it 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 was it was it was intended to hold conversations uh come up with thoughts and ideas hopefully coming up with solutions to bridge some of those gaps that you were talking about Peter
2: right so I, I now want to sort of turn the corner and, and get to Bob's topic which is how does this connect with education so if you if you um, listen to the chatter that goes on on uh, on the media you have sort of two opposing views one view is critical race theory is not is, is not an issue because it's not talked about in schools at all that's that's one side and the other side is, that's all I talk about. That's all I talk about. In history. That's all I talk about in school. It's you know, it's a big deal. It's separating people from each other, as as uh, Bob Bob said. And of course, the truth is, it's sort of in the middle because the because this is my opinion. And in order to, um, uh, I, I want to share a story that's really had an impact on me. Uh, my third grade history class. So think back to your third, and this was back in the '60s. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my sixties now. So I'm talking about, um, in, in the sixties. So I'm reading my braille textbook about the civil war and slavery. It's the first time I heard about it in third grade. And so here, and so I, 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 come home from school and mom says to me, so what did you learn in school today? You know, the usual question your, every, every parent asks. And I said, well, I learned that, uh, you know, there was something called slavery, which wasn't really good. And then there was the civil war. And after that, uh, everything was fine. And my mom paused and said, I think it's a little more complicated than that. And that's what we're wrestling with is those complications. We're, we're dealing with those complications. Because, of course, slavery was bad. And, of course, there was a Civil War. But things weren't okay after the Civil War, right? They weren't even okay after, uh, uh, you, know, you know, the 20th century. They weren't even okay after the Civil Rights Act was passed. I mean, they're still, they're still okay. not okay. They're still not okay, right? So, so what? What history is? What historians and teachers are trying to think through is how can we educate kids in a supportive way so they can they can understand what the world around them more effectively. And uh, there are some parents who are saying, uh, "This is over the top." And some of the stuff that's being taught, I think, probably is over the top, you know. But but what 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 critical race theory is that connects with this education, I think, and Michael, I'm I'm open to your thoughts on this, obviously, is how can we better teach history in a way that's that's honest? That's not the way I was taught history in third grade, or even in high school for that matter. Uh, I will say one more thing and then I promise I'll shut up. I was so sort of turned off by history. I I thought history was a dreadful, boring, dull uh, thing that I, I didn't get reconnected with until I was I moved to Washington D.C. in the late '90s. So how can we teach? You know, how can we teach history? And I think that's where the tension is, Michael. I'm open. To, uh, what do you? What are your thoughts?
3: Well, I, I I look at it this way. As I as I mentioned earlier, critical race theory is. is Formulated to try to analyze the, the facts. I think history and history needs to be taught factually, or as as close to the facts as you can get. We weren't there at those times, but we have documents. We have you know uh, things that that go back to historic that historical events that, that give us a, a good idea about what happened when and all those things we we've, we've have uh, recounted the stories so let's look at the facts let's look at uh, teach the, teach things the way they were. the Civil War yes happened uh, it, it was bad but uh, reconstruction. Was pretty bad too. Yep. Uh, Jim Crow laws were bad, or, or the conditions that that came about as as a result of, of Jim Crow were, were were bad. You know, we grew up in and uh, I grew up. I'll put it this way: I won't say we, but I grew up in a in a very uh, segregated uh, neighborhood. Uh, starting out in school, uh, in a segregated school until high school. Uh, and and I, was, I was talking to someone today about uh, the books that we had. The difference in, the, in, in, in what I had was the fact that the funding came directly from the state it was appropriated as a as as a, as opposed to the public school system which came the money came from, you know, property taxes and, and so on. So we didn't have old books, we got new books only because our money came from the same money that that our white counterparts got at at, 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 at TSB. So So, but history, we learned, uh, in in my recollection, we learned what we thought were the facts. Even when we got to uh, the integrated session that started in high school, uh, our history teacher was very, she was very sensitive, uh, and she really did not pull any punches. Now, this is back in the 1960s. She did not pull any punches about the things that we learned in American history. Michael, go ahead. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to repeat, we've got to teach the facts and let the chips fall where they may. Truth is, is, is the key. You know,
1: Michael, I'm wondering how far we've come because... I'd like to find out, in your opinion, if I made the wrong assumption back in 2008 when I decided for myself that Barack Obama was president of the United States because we finally had the ultimate acceptance. After what's been going on in this country the past couple of years centered around George Floyd and other related incidents, I'm wondering now if that assumption was accurate.
3: No, I don't, I don't think it was. It it was a it was clearly a historical milestone that we've reached because of the first black president. But did it change society? No, in my opinion, uh, and and I say that because here we go. I'm trying to I'm going to look at the facts because uh, the attitude of of the opposition was uh that you heard comments like we're going to make sure he's a one-term president uh when when legislation was proposed uh even when the opposition had thought to do it one way and he looked at it analyzed it said yeah let's do it that way they
1: changed. Yeah. Except that we're talking about him getting into office to begin with. He had enough votes from people in this country true. to be elected true. at least the first time. And that's when I made that assumption.
3: True. True. That That's true. But that didn't necessarily mean that, that the, the, the attitude of the country had changed and we we we've, we've seen the developments of that as we move through that decade and and to the to the current environment
1: apparently and
3: and so i just believe that that racism is always going to be with us i believe that um, people's hearts will always seek to to protect Themselves and their own. You mentioned earlier about tribalism and and that sort of thing. Uh, there are people who get in their own silos. By that I mean they 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 only want to be with people who are like them, and they never venture out. They never get to understand or or appreciate different cultures, different ideals, ideas, and attitudes of other people. And they they learn to believe that what what they've been taught and what they think is right. Absolute.
2: Mike, if I may sort of react to what you just said about President Obama. What I found really interesting is that idea that we had sort of made it uh, after President Obama was elected came from one side of the political aisle. And that was the conservative side. Folks on the more progressive side of the aisle thought it was a big deal. We were thrilled. But we also understood uh that there are still lots of things that needed to happen. You know, that uh and and it, it seems to be primarily on the on the conservative side of the aisle that said, we've made it. We don't need to do anything more. Uh and I think, you know, and 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 I think that's one of the uh one of the sad things about this because it, it really could have been a springboard to, to move us, to move us in a, you know, in, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a good direction. And, and instead it appears to have, you know, boomeranged and now we find ourselves where we find ourselves. And I think that's really sad.
3: Well, one of the things I already knew this, but one of the things I'm, I'm really sort of getting a, 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 an in-depth view of, I'm reading a promised land right now. And even though you, know, you, you, you put out one fire, I'm finding out how, I mean, and I, like I said, I knew this. I understand this from a, from a political standpoint. There were, there were all kinds of things going on that the president has to juggle and and in order to to try to survive you know he he and and and, and the other presidents you know had to had to deal with all these different political uh, rumors uh, uh sidebars all those things kind of nipping at at your at your heels as you try to to make things happen for the good of the country, and 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 so, well, while one side of the aisle might think that we're okay, the other side is 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 saying, like you said, there are still things that had to be done. It didn't. It really didn't come down to whether whether he was a black president or a white president or an Asian president. Uh, it came down to. Could he get the job done? And that's and that's the thing about being the president. Well that's positive. Can you get the job
1: done? See, that's positive because this is how we should accept all human beings despite their colors. Are you still going to be a respectable human being? You're still part of the our race and our human culture. And no matter what the job is that you have, whether it's president or whatever it is if people are willing to base their opinions on the person themselves as opposed to their color then fine if it, and, and that goes back to what you said about barack obama he was voted in because of the job that he would do and that's that's tremendous that's the acceptance that i was talking about
3: but there are people who still who couldn't get over the fact that he was a black president right he was a black man regardless of what it was regardless of what his position was. And that's still the way things happen even today in society. I, I go back, we, we're talking about this in, re, in in relation to school. One of the things that happens is, uh, and I'm sure you've, you've heard this comment, uh, some parents don't want their children to feel guilty about something they didn't do. But this whole thing about Talking about race itself, talking about critical race theory, it's not—it's not geared to make anybody feel guilty. It's—it's—it's it's, it's intended to talk about what's going on, really, because the same things that were going on back then—the systematic—and it, it introduces other, other, uh, other element, systematic or s- systemic racism—is still going on in this country. When you start to talk about the inequality of of people of color uh, versus, uh, let's say, whites and Asians, I mean, look at the look at the economic breakdown, the the uh, the income level or or the the uh, wealth gap label uh, uh, layers. Uh, the last figures I saw said that uh, the average black family has net has a net worth of uh, seventeen thousand dollars, whereas the average white family has an, an average net worth net worth of one hundred and seventy thousand. About ten thousand, I mean, a hundred times, uh, uh, ten times, I guess, uh, that the average. Net worth. So there's a huge economic gap. So critical race theory says why. Uh, Critical race theory also says why. And I just heard this this morning, talking about the people who who've died from COVID. Why is why is the death rate in the black and Hispanic community so much higher than, than in the white community. Is it because of the lack of, uh, equal healthcare or adequate healthcare, or is it based on, uh, economic, you know, level, the ability to pay for adequate treatment? Is it exposure to, uh, the, the vaccines or, you know, all those, all those different things. And so that's what, that's what, the conversation should be about is how can we bridge those gaps? How can we how can we make everybody in America privy to the quote unquote American dream?
2: I just want to add one other thing that really struck me when I was researching an article for a book a book I was writing. There are a number of studies that sort of say the same kind of thing, and and it has to do with uh, getting a job interview. So one of the studies that's done is they send employers the exact same resume, except that, except that they change the name from a white-sounding name to an African American-sounding name. Say exactly the same resume, different names.
1: How do you and do that?
2: They, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a research study, so it's exactly the same resume. Uh, you know, same experience, same this, same that. But they, they all they do is they change the name you know so instead of i don't know john smith it's jwanza smith okay and what they found is the john smiths got about 10 interviews uh, one interview for every 10 resumes sent out and the jwanza smiths got one out of 15 that's a significant difference
1: intimidation
2: i don't well, well, well right but you know so how are how so how are we uh, getting back to critical race theory? If how do we take that that data and use it uh, for good, right? If if you accept that data and some people don't, uh, then how do you how do you um, you know use data like that uh, for, for you know for better of everybody, not just not just black people or blind people or gay people or white people? How do you make it better? And that's really uh, what what critical race theory is about. And when it comes to education, there are a number of areas that's connects with. But 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 the issue that Michael and I have been trying to wrestle with is how do you teach kids the way history, not just the way history was, but the way things are today. You know, many too, too many of us think that things are okay today. You know, that if everybody has the same equal opportunity, if they work hard. So if that's not the case, then the reason black people aren't uh, um, doing as well is because they're not working hard enough or working smart enough, but that's not what the research sent te- tends to show. Same thing with blind people, by the way. There, are, there, are, there are there are of course plenty of us blind people who are you know who are who are not working as hard and as smart as we should. But that doesn't deny the fact that we have discrimination we need to face. So how do you wrestle with all that stuff? And that's really what uh, educate what educators are trying to sort of uh, educate you know people about. And I think a lot of parents are scared of it.
3: Well, that's my question, is why. Why are parents, what are parents afraid of? And I have a theory.
2: I have a theory also. What's yours?
3: (laughs) Well, the theory is fear. Mm -hmm. Fear of losing position, losing standing. Uh, One one article I I read said that uh, the... The unschooled or, or uneducated, or you know, I guess, white kids who who didn't go to college were were fueled by the rhetoric uh, that if if we allow uh, black kids to have to get more, they're going to take what you have. So, I mean, that was really banded about in 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 some. In some in some areas, but I also also have have an, another theory or another saying that I try to I try to go by in terms of the history. In that, if you don't know where you come from, how can you know where you're going? Right. You know, if, if we don't if we don't know our history. How can we move forward? How can we, how can we change things? And and so it really comes. You asked the question, Peter, about how can we, how can we do this? How can we teach kids and and that sort of thing? We we have to convince the teachers to to look uh, equally or look at at the kids as being. Uh, the next leaders of the country, will they perpetuate the division or will the next generation try to bring, bring us together and provide equal opportunity for humans based on their merit, not based on no personal supposition.
2: And that and that's yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Michael. Well
3: I was just gonna say it's that's a critical that's a critical thing that teachers and administrators I believe they should they should start to deal
0: with. Deanna, you are first up
4: well I think one of the problems we run into is that it is human nature to put people in boxes. You know, they always think of everyone else as other than themselves. So if you decide, um, you know, if everybody that, that you see gets put into a box, the fat kid, the red-haired girl, the you know, whatever it is that makes them different from you or stand out gets noticed. And what what we don't seem to be able to get is we all have to be like crayons and some of us are smart, some of us are dull, some of us have funny names, but we all have to live together in that crayon box. <laughs> so that is the thing that I think they're trying to do with critical race theory is um, yes, you can be different and you can be proud of your differences. Um, you can celebrate St. Patrick's Day because you had Irish ancestry. You can, um, you know, love Italian food. Um, all of this diversity actually makes our country more flexible, more energetic. And, um, it's done us good, not harm, to have diversity. And, when everybody has a chance to achieve their ultimate best, then the country can only be that tremendous much better. Um, The problem was that when they arrived here, they categorized my people as wild animals and they (laughs) they categorized Michael's as domestic animals instead of human beings. But, you know, um, realistically, if, if you want to go the Christian line and say we all come from Adam and Eve, well, then we are all human. And whether we eat different foods, dress differently, look differently, it doesn't make any difference. We are all the creation of God, if that's the or Allah or whatever, you know, whatever you're beliefs are we are all connected because of our humanity.
2: Thank you Diana, Michael.
3: I'll add to what 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 Diana said about, you know, we're all we're all created by God. We have different colors on our skin. I said to to our group earlier that uh, we have, we may have different color skin, but all of our blood is red. Mhm
2: mm-hmm i want to uh, Deanna reminded me of a couple of things uh, she talked about the 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 the, the box the, the playground sandbox the, the and, and it's a good analogy but but the, the difference there's a difference and one of the differences is that the the boundaries of the of this play of the sandbox expand and contract based on oh. a number of things and so you have to be able to adjust to that contraction and expansion and the other thing that I think it's really important to remember, and I think this is where the schools sometimes fail uh, when, it, when we're trying when they're trying to address this, is that we live uh, in the United States of America. And, uh, you know, to, to paraphrase President Obama, we don't live in, uh, you know, blue states or red states. We live in the United States. In order in order to uh, to be in a country, we have to have the same sort of mission statement.
1: You know, That's the problem. That's the problem. Right. Blue and, versus and, red. Right. It should be, we're the United States of America.
2: But but I think sometimes what the teachers sort of forget is that w- we have to remember that we all live in the same country. It should have served the same, what what makes us the United States of America? How do we want to move forward? You know, what, what are our goals, if you will, as, as a society? And sometimes we, for, we forget that. And so uh, the only thing that shows is those skin differences that Deanna was talking about. And we have to sort of find that balance between you know, teach, teaching the true history and reminding ourselves we, we live in a country that if we don't if we don't agree the, in the direction we're moving in, we're not going to be successful. And I think that really is the challenge that we find ourselves in.
0: We have about six people to try and get to. Uh, so let's, the, let's go. Great. Um, keep, keep them rolling. Tony, you are up next. Oh, OK.
5: Um, good evening,
2: everyone. Welcome, uh, Tony. Uh, Tanya. That's oh, Tanya. Name. Sorry, yeah. Tanya.
5: That's OK. Um, it's like this um, I'm an African American woman and you know I dropped out of high school and everything and you know I also have a learning disability and, but still I mean I see a lot of the, you know of my people is being targeted and, and you know by the police officers and everything and it's it's sad it, and you know it's, it's like they don't see us they don't, they don't think of us as Americans and I don't really don't get it. And I'm, you know, going and voting and everything, you know, and that's what I'm doing. But, you know, it's like they take my, they taking my vote for granted. And it's like, if we ask for something, it's like, we don't get nothing.
2: Yeah.
5: What is going on here? That's I what I have to say.
2: I think you've said it really well. You said it Michael. really well, Michael.
3: Well, that's what that's that's why the question is asked. Why? Why do people? Why do people feel that way? Why do we uh, feel like that we're not seen as people? Why do I have to tell my grandsons that they've got to act a certain way? My guys, all of my grandsons are big guys. And it seems to be, it seems to me that if you see a big black young man, he's a threat. All of my guys are like six feet, you know, 250, 300 pounds. So they, they, they've got to be careful. they got to keep their hands on the wheel. They've got to carry themselves a certain way. Why is that? That's what, that's what we're talking about. Why?
2: And, and let me make a comment about that, Michael, because I have a, six foot uh four inch three hundred pound uh a stepson who went to went to college on a football scholarship and is now doing quite well for himself uh in the in the in the work world we never had have, we I never had to have that conversation with him about putting a hands on the steering wheel and acting a certain way of course we we wanted him to be courteous and respectful and all that kind of stuff but there are certain things I we never had to say to him as white people that Many black people believe, and I think, uh, uh, correctly believe they need to say, and that's 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 the problem. Ray, Ray, next question. Next up is Lynn. Lynn, hello, Lynn.
6: Hello. Uh, I'm not yes. usually on the, these calls, but I was very interested in this one. I want to say that tribalism is very important, and there, you know, critical race theory is not taught in public schools, no matter what they say. It is in doctoral programs because I'm in a doctoral program, so I can tell you that certain people are using critical race theory for their theory. Of course, that means it hasn't, um, you know, it has to go through many iterations and stuff like that. It's, 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 you know, they're theories. They're not, they're not made in stone. They're people use them to do their dissertations or uh, work so that they can. Prove it, you know, prove it or not, or or whatever they're using it as their backdrop for their dissertations. So I think the whole idea of using critical race theory as a um, battering ram, basically, um, is incorrect and and wrong. And I, I would say that that what you were saying, Michael, is absolutely correct. Seventeen thousand, you know, basic income, you know, what people can amass for black people and one hundred seventy thousand for white people. Of course, as a blind person, I don't have that either, but. You know, I think that when we think about, and this is why um, I'm thinking of doing a call about um, how uh, blacks and Jews were allies, because basically, Jews were also told, no no, no Jews, and dogs allowed, and, and things like that. So there were a lot of crazy assumptions about Jewish people as well. And I think that when we think about anybody that's marginalized, and because of the tribalism, and we we feel marginalized, and we feel like we're less than other people and we don't um, you know we don't have the same rights as other people um, and all that kind of stuff and and even though black certainly you know had it worse than uh, many people especially being forced to come to this country against their will um, basically there are other groups who also had uh, problems with with stuff i was talking to somebody today coming back on the paratransit and she says she's the only Jewish person in her building. And I said, yep, I know how it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are uh, similarities between groups that people have uh, generally targeted as uh, uh, as groups that they don't like or feared or um, prejudiced or whatever it is. And I think that one of the things we have to do is um, work together to, to make this a better place. Unfortunately, people thought of of uh, the Obama presidency as sort of an anomaly, sort of, well, you know, he was the the exception proves the rule kind of stuff, and I think that that's dangerous. And the reason that nothing changed after that is because we didn't change our basic attitudes. We're not going to change racism with having a black president or anything like this. Um, I think that basically we have to do it with with a lot of other um, structural changes that we don't have yet. Thank you very much, Peter and Bob. I appreciate it. Mm. Thank, Thank you,
1: Michael. Uh, Michael, if I can make one comment, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand the difference between worth and income. When you were talking about $17,000, that's not exactly or necessarily the income that they make, right?
2: Right. It's, not, was, it's not the salary. It's, it's right. Yeah. That's that's worth is right. right. something works.
1: else. Okay. I just wanted of to establish
3: where, that. All of what you have, if, if you had to liquidate everything you had, uh, the average black family had $17,000 okay. of net worth. I
2: see. All right. Ray? Sorry. Ray. I, I
6: didn't mean that. I, was, I didn't mean to say anything wrong. I'm sorry. No, that's
2: you are okay. You're good. You're okay. good. That's no worries. Okay, but be, 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 before we, I, I know we're running short on time, but I do want Michael a chance to react to what Lynn said, if that's possible.
3: Well, no. I, I, I agree. The, I think the, the biggest thing that I agree with, with what Lynn said was that the, it's the attitude change. We've got to change the attitude. If if the attitudes
0: don't change, nothing else will change.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, thank you, Michael. Ray?
0: Okay, we have five people. Lisa, you are up next.
2: Lisa.
5: Hello. Hello.
1: Can Lisa. you hear me?
0: Hi. Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Um, yes, um, I
5: agree with Lynn. Um uh a lot of things need to change. Yes, when Obama got in office, I'm just gonna say it, everybody was scared. It was like, oh, Lord, you know, what's going to happen now? You know, and then the the other people, the ones that voted for him were like, okay, he's in there now. What what is he going to do? But they didn't give him the material that he needed. They Mm. didn't get in there and they didn't vote again in the primaries, you know what I'm saying, to give him the backing that he needed to make some of these changes that happened. So yes, we voted a man kumbaya, but everybody did not change and they were very fearful and they're still fearful. Now we have an African-American vice president and a woman. Oh my God, they really shaking in their boots. You know what I'm saying? So until the powers that be change because now they're trying to stop us from voting again. So people better pay attention and they better um, wise up. And just people need to realize, you know, I mean, we're all in this world together. My mother had this poem on her wall. I don't know who wrote it, but it's real quick. It says, You are you and I am I. I am not in this world to live up to your expectations. You are not in this world to live up to mine. You are you and I am I. And if by chance we find each other, beautiful so thank you
2: before you go i have a, I have a question um yes. for, uh, and thank you for, for that uh, um you said everybody um so i've I, 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 uh, maybe I, I shouldn't have said everybody no, that, that's hug. okay but but i'm curious if you could say at least just about who everybody is for you i mean that's you know well who, who, who in,
5: think, in my case in my case a lot of my folks once we went to vote they didn't vote again. You know, I'm like, okay, you need to go vote. You know, you need to, you know, we got him in there now we need to give him the tools that he needs, you know? Oh, well, I did, you know, they felt like they did such a big thing standing in that line that day to make it happen, you know, but they just dropped the ball, you know? So, and I'm thinking that anybody that was thinking that just putting them in there, that everybody was going to hold hands and kumbaya, they were uh, rudely Seriously
2: mistaken, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank yes. you. Yeah, Ma- All Michael. All
3: right. Let me let me say one thing real quick because I know we got other people. But but one of the things that Lisa brought out in that is that we have a lot of unsophisticated political people or, or unsophisticated people trying to vote in politics. They have no understanding of what's happening in, in politics. And they vote for a, a, a one issue person. And a, if show me a one issue person, I'll show you a politician who is not sophisticated about all of the other issues.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Thank, thank you so much, Lisa. All right.
0: Thank Next you. up, we have Andy. Andy. Hello, Andy.
2: Andy.
1: You're probably muted, Andy. Maybe we should move on until you get a chance to uh, unmute yourself.
0: Phone number ending in 759. You are up next.
7: Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Pam Shaw. I hope hey, everybody's Pam. doing well. How are, you? How are you? Wow, what a powerful discussion, and I'm so glad we're having it. Um, I'm going to change the tone a little bit because I want to say that I do not support the teaching of critical race theory as it is proposed by most districts in the country and the way they are doing it. It is not about, and I know it's helpful and healthy in a way to say it's just the facts, but it isn't just the facts. In Western civilization, well, I should say it this way, in in the West, we teach education based upon facts, to theory, and theory to action. And so what we're really talking about is it being an intellectual movement, that's part of it, tis true, but it's also a social movement. And those of us who are working to get it taught the right way, what we want to do is to see the, examine the intersection of race, society, and law and also to challenge mainstream American liberal approaches to racial justice. So what we want to have happen is that our children, by being taught, yes, the facts, but as we teach, and all of us were taught this way, we were taught to think about the facts, to put them together, and in a way that developed us in the people we should be as responsible Americans. And again, it's still... Speaks to the issue of racial justice. And by the way, I love history, and my mom was a teacher. Okay, so I put the
2: two together.
7: Thank you so much for allowing me to share,
2: Pam. I'm confused, Pam, by which I I, I appreciate your comment because I I think you're onto something. But can you say a little more about how you how you think you wish things were taught differently than the critical race theory seem to be teaching? I guess that's the question. How do you you wish things were different in, in in a practical way?
7: Okay. Very good question. Number one, as we teach the facts, part of the plan should be to have discussions with our children about what they're learning. You can teach me the facts and I can take the test and get an A. So that means I know the facts, but we also want to focus on understanding, comprehension, and how do you turn that in to, as you mentioned, something that is practical.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: So we don't need a bunch of racial geniuses. You know what I'm saying? Who can just tell you the history? What are we going to do with it? And I think when I've talked to families who oppose the idea at all, um, they've been uh, primarily um, white families. What they're concerned about is will this movement towards teaching and, you know, about racial justice, they don't want to see their children turned into, quote unquote, militant or people who want to do more harm than good. So what I usually say to parents at that point is that's your job.
2: That that be. that strikes me as really fair. Because I, I think sometimes uh you know, we advocates, it doesn't matter what kind of advocates you are, have mm-hmm. a have a point have a point of view and we forget that our job as teachers is is to is to uh is to get people to think. It's not to preach, it. it's to get people to think. And I think sometimes you got we, it. We, we blur that line to our own uh, detriment. So thank you for that, Pam. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. And
7: I'll yield to someone else. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Michael. Dun you're doing a fantastic job.
2: I agree.
0: <laughs> All next right, German, next way, up, she's...
2: sorry, uh, after Michael makes his
0: comment, we have uh, Chris, that's next.
3: Okay, well, just quickly, uh, at the ACB conference, we're going to be talking about this same subject. Pam Shaw is going to be one of our panelists. She, you can tell by her speech, she's a, she's she can go deeply into it, and we have a couple of other scholars to go along with it. Just want to throw that plug in.
2: Is, is that is that gonna be virtually or at the convention
3: uh I'm not sure okay Good an a answer a, yeah
0: okay uh, Chris Chris yes um I wanna I gonna talk a little bit about some of my own experience because um I and and what I'm doing is going back to uh where it was said that the there was a history book that said oh the civil war came to an end and then everything was fine no no more slavery well our country became uh, had two things going with it and one of them was it was getting bigger more more miles to cover and no communications there was no there there was no instant knowledge of anything we all believed, at least white people believed, that segregation happened in the South, didn't happen in the Northwest. And I mean, we had we had Black people in the Northwest and I had friends, you know, nobody got upset about it, um, at least, you know they that they didn't say we we couldn't grow up together and learn together um so we had the idea that it was fine because we didn't get the communication we didn't get the memo at least in my case until James Meredith wasn't allowed to go into to a uh Um, into into the college, University of Mississippi, or it was Mississippi, one of the universities there. And it was like, uh, well, how did we get from all, you know, coming together and uh, black people being free? uh, How did we get from that to James Meredith going to not being able to go into the,
1: yeah. We have one minute folks.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did we get to that? How did we go from not knowing anything about it and suddenly James Meredith isn't being allowed to go
2: into Mississippi, into the university where he, where he wanted to go? And just to, just to add briefly to your, to your comment, how do you square that dissonance? I'm a history teacher and we have the situation seems to work pretty well where we are. And all of a sudden this happens in the same country. How do we square that dissonance? And that's all I would ask.
1: Our time is Mm -hmm. up, everybody. I want to thank all of our participants. I know there might have been a few more. If you want to stick around and talk to Michael after the show, feel free to do so. Michael Garrett, thank you very much. It was a very, as one of our participants rightfully stated, a very powerful discussion. And there's a lot more to be done and said about it, days and years moving forward. And I want to thank you for taking the time to discuss it with us in depth, critical race theory. Thank you, Michael. Next thank you week, for having me. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Our pleasure indeed. Next week on In Perspective, we're going to talk about tandem bicycling. I've done that once Ooh. or twice. And our guest, Ron Berziz. Ron, forgive me if uh, I messed up your name. This is how Jaws pronounces it. <laughs> so we can kick that around next week. Ron Berziz and tandem bicycling. Peter, thank you again. Ray, thank you again as well for another great edition of In Perspective. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a wonderful week, everybody.